special edition of Narnia Cast. I'm your host and producer, William O'Flaherty. The following is the first of a two-part episode discussing the recent announcement of The Silver Chair being the next Narnia movie. This was revealed just on October 1st, and I was able to coordinate the following guests to talk about this news. Dr. Bruce Edwards, Dr. Charlie Starr, Dr. Crystal Hurd, Dr. Devin Brown, and Paul Martin. At the end of the show, I'll go into details about our guests, so those of you who are not familiar with them can learn more about them. These comments were recorded on October the 14th, and at that time, no further announcement had been made other than which book is going to be made into a movie, and the producer at the helm is Mark Gordon. C.S. Lewis's stepson, Douglas Gresham, is also involved along with another person from the C.S. Lewis company. That's all the information that we had at the time we recorded. As we began to record the show, two of our guests, Dr. Devin Brown and Paul Martin, had unexpected delays and wasn't able to start with us, but they did join in shortly after, as you will hear. The second part of this show will be available next week on NarniaCast.com, which is a feature partner site on the Middle Earth Network. When you visit NarniaCast.com, you can also find a mini-series dealing with the book versions of the Narnia stories, which each of our guests were involved in. You can check the show notes on the website, NarniaCast.com, for links to the shows I just mentioned, as well as links to other sites online or books that our guests have written. As already stated, we didn't know much news about the forthcoming The Silver Chair movie. So the main issues addressed by the guests are, one, their reaction to the news, what they want to see in the movie, and what they don't want to see in the movie. Finally, to help you know which guest is talking, I will state the name of the guest before their comments are made in most cases. Well, I want to welcome the uh, guests tonight to discuss about the Silver Chair, the announcement that that's going to be the next Narnia movie. With me is Dr. Charlie Starr. Welcome to the show, Charlie. Thank you, William. I am happy to be here. Also, we have Dr. Bruce Edwards. Welcome to the show tonight. Great to be here, William. And then a regular co-host for the uh, Narnia cast discussion on the Narnia books, Dr. Crystal Hurd is with us as well. Welcome, Crystal. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. So in discussing this Silver Chair movie, we don't have any set questions per se, other than I'm going to get an initial reaction from our guest about what they thought, what was kind of the first initial thought, and then since then regarding the Silver Chair, and then we'll get into basically kind of what you're especially wanting to see in the movie, The Silver Chair, and then maybe there's some things that you don't want to see. Other than that, we don't really have any structure. We're just going to see how our guests, what kind of thoughts they have. And I'll just go alphabetically with Bruce being the first one and then Charlie and then Crystal so my guests will know how to kind of chime in. And if they don't really have a comment related further, then then that's fine as well. So let's go ahead and start off with the initial thoughts. Bruce, tell us when you heard the news about The Silver Chair is definitely going to be the next Narnia movie. uh, What was your initial reaction and then any change since then? Well, I think the the first thought I had was uh, how did this happen? Uh, meaning uh, it sounded like the uh, Narnia series was at least on hold, uh, you know, depending upon investors and or screenwriters and that sort of thing. So uh, I thought 
that's that's an interesting development, and uh, I wonder how this one will be brought together. All right, Charlie, how about you? I always have a positive reaction when it comes to uh, film adaptation, not not because I think they're going to succeed, but because I want them to succeed. I'm very I'm I'm an English teacher. I teach literature, but I also teach film and love film and and grew up as a kid who watched way too much television and continue to do so as an adult kid. Uh, so I'm, I'm certainly hopeful that we're going to, we're going to get a great uh, silver chair film. I'd love to see all seven Narnia movies uh, made. Um, but there's always that little bit of trepidation. Are they going to do a, a faithful adaptation? And it's been hit, hit and miss with the last, uh, with the first three movies. So we'll, uh, but but I'm hopeful anyway that that now that we're going with a new production company, that company will be just as interested as uh, some of the others were with the first film to uh, to be faithful to Lewis's vision. All right, how about you, Crystal? I was excited. I think the best words are cautious optimism for for the announcement. Um, again, actually, we. Um, as some people may know, William and Charlie and I actually um, saw Douglas Rasham at Asbury University a couple weeks ago, and, uh, and he was sort of, you know, hinting at um, some possibilities. So um, I was I was excited to hear about it, but also like Charlie, I'm sort of, you know, I'm I'm sort of cautious about that because again, you want to capture what the author intended without straying too much for for a specific audience or straying from the vision original vision that we get as, as readers. So I think it's good to have Lewis sort of out in public again and um, out on the public consciousness again. And hopefully as, as the movies always do, it will generate more interest in the books uh, and then hopefully the message behind the books. Then for uh, me, I was excited. I thought, okay, great. We are now knowing what's going to be next because prior to this, of course, all this is subject to change. We're recording here on the 14th of October, so uh, hopefully there's been no breaking news that that will change some of these comments, but a couple months down the road there may be some changing in announcements. But, you know, one of the things we have been waiting for was, okay, what will be the, the next Narnia movie? Is it going to be continue on with the publication order of the books, which is the uh, silver chair for the next one? Do they jump ahead to The Magician's Nephew and so forth? So just having some type of news, I guess my initial reaction was, oh, great, po-, you know, a positive uh, thought there. But then uh, I thought, well, you know, uh, since then have rewatched. I, I, I only watched The Voyage of the Dawn Treader. When it originally came out, I did buy the uh, DVD, so I have that. And so I watched it over the weekend. And prior to that, my opinion of the of, of, of that movie, which most people say uh, is probably their least favorite, is that my initial reaction to the movie was, okay, not too bad, pretty good. But then since that time, actually, was when I just started doing my things online with Lewis and started reading him more closely I had been reading Lewis for like 30 years, but hadn't really reread a lot of things like Voyage of the Dawn Treader. I don't think I had reread around the time the movie came out. I know I had listened to the uh, Focus on the Family uh, audio drama, but I wasn't as, I say all that to say I wasn't as familiar with the story to go, oh, well, they didn't do this, they didn't do that, why did they do this? So after rewatching it, I'm going, oh boy, they need to really be sure to follow the book more closely. So. So now it's like maybe I'm a little bit more um, uh, pessimistic 
more on the puddle club side, I guess, so to speak. Now let's go ahead and kind of like look at some other aspects in terms of uh, kind of, uh, we'll put it kind of broad in terms of what you want to see or you don't want to see. Let me get some initial reactions. On the table here, uh, going back to, to Bruce, is what are some things you either definitely want to see or you don't want to see in a film adaptation of The Silver Chair? Uh, well, a little hard to respond to without knowing a little bit more about uh, intentions. Um, you know, who, who the, uh, I think I mentioned in, uh, in our pre-conversation, you know, director, screenwriter, adapter. But as it, as it goes, I, I think in some ways The Silver Chair is a, a can't-miss Narnian movie uh, because so much of the action is uh, internal to this particular set of escapades. And you got new characters like... Puddleglum, which I'm desperately invested in. That, that I mean, Puddleglum has to be captured well. And, uh, you know, whether the, the queen is this way or that, or the witch, rather, um, you know, I, I mean, I, I hope they get uh, Jill right, and I hope they get uh, Eustace right. But Puddleglum, to me, is the center of the movie, the way Reepicheep, to me, should have been the center of Wards the Dawn Treader. So, so that's that's one thing. But, I mean, you've got exotic locations. You've got different terrain. I mean, there's lots of things you can do with just the, uh, the topography of this movie. And I hope that, that you know, the, uh, the resources are there to capture uh, that, uh, that topography because it, it could be spectacular for reaching the imagination apart from the dialogue and the, the credibility of what, uh, what the uh, screenwriters want to do with Lewis's original material. All right, Charlie, how about you? I would love to see Alan Rickman as Puddleglum. Alan Rickman is the actor who played Severus Snape in the Harry Potter films. And, um, of course, his, his, his defining role, his great moment on the screen was in Die Hard as the villain. That was a joke. And anyway, you know, I, he's the first actor I think of. I, they can cast whomever they want. I, I was thinking that the silver chair could be a potential problem cinematically um going off of what bruce just said uh because that um that excitement that suspense that they used that green mist to produce in the dawn treader um i don't know that it's there in the silver chair from the point of view of adaptation in the in the book itself it's uh, terrific but i fear that they might try to pull off some sort of another uh, MacGuffin, some sort of gimmick like the Green Mist in, in the Don Treader film, and I definitely don't want to see that sort of thing happen. Uh, but maybe with uh, the right use of pace and the like, they can they can stay true to the original text. Uh, obviously, it needs to be um, driven by the characters. Uh, the one thing I really loved about Don Treader, I thought, was the casting of Eustace, and uh, though the actor may be uh, very much older than Eustace would be. They, they could perhaps do something with that. Uh, I, thought he was, uh, I thought he did a great job myself. So it would be great to see him um, in the text again. It would great to, be great to see a, a Trumpkin who is deaf that they have a hard time talking to and uh, owls that seem scatterbrained in the day and um, sharp at night. So there are just a lot of, um, a, a lot of elements that would be wonderful to see. Cinematically, I think they could 
really do some wonderful things with the the, the cave journey, um, the journey through the shallow lands. Um, I suppose it shouldn't be so excessively beautiful that some of the sense of oppression um, uh, gets lost, but it could still be um, cinematically stunning uh, to see the giant uh, time uh, sleeping. They they could really do some nice vistas, it seems to me, in terms of um, visuals for the uh, the journey through the uh, through the underworld. A thing that I would love to see stay in the film that will be hard for them to pull off, I imagine, is that conversation that the green lady has with our heroes as she thrums on an instrument and um, tries to intoxicate them with the green smoke and convince them that there is no overworld. Aslan's just an overblown cat and the sun is an overblown lamp. That's a very long conversation that ends in that wonderful heroic moment where Puddleglum says he intends to pursue Narnia, whether uh, there is a Narnia or not. I get a feeling they will probably try to really pare that down but I would really love to see the longer conversation in there. I don't know if that's going to be something they do or not. And I want to thank also Paul Martin from NarniaFans.com for joining us for this discussion of the Silver Chair movie. Thank you for having me. And then also we have Dr. Devin Brown. He is joining us as well. Thanks, Devin, for joining in for this discussion. Well, it's great to be here, and it's great that there's a reason to be here, right? (laughs) Exactly. So in discussing this Silver Chair movie, tell us when you heard the news about the Silver Chair is definitely going to be the next Narnia movie. Uh, What was your initial reaction and then any change since then? Paul Martin. All right, when I first heard that the silver chair was going to be made in the next uh, Narnia movie, first I was surprised by it, um, and then I, I quickly, as quick as I could, blogged about it. But um, but initially my first thought was, what are they going to do about Eustace? Because Will Poulter is a foot or a foot and a half taller than he was when they shot the Voyage of the Dawn Treader. I mean, by the time they finished filming, and between when they finished filming and the premiere of The Voyage of the Dawn Treader, he had grown about six inches. And then since then, he's grown about another foot. And so if if they're going to shoot it anytime soon, um, he is probably... I mean, his voice is definitely different. He definitely looks a bit older and... I don't know how they're going to manage that, but that was my, my first initial response to it was, what are they going to do about Eustace? Because it, it, because of those reasons. And and also, I was a little bit um, surprised that they decided to go that route, but at the same time, not at all, because I knew that, um, that the C.S. Lewis company had wanted to go that direction. So when they found a way to do it, I knew they'd, they'd jump at it, so... That was my my first thoughts. Dr. Devin Brown. Well, I'm really excited, obviously, and uh, I'll, get, I'll go three directions on this. First off, um, I'm one of those people who likes the original order of publication, and you know this that could be a whole separate chat, right, guys? Um, but but so for me, Silver Chair is book number four. Now it'll be movie number four, and so that works great for me. Uh, I understand that uh, Eustace is a little old right now. Uh, I'll figure that out. Uh, I'll say something odd is that 
I'm kind of glad that Dawn Treader wasn't a little bit better than it was. And, and let me explain. So Dawn Treader veered off course, as we would say in the shipping business, uh, so much so that, that uh, you know, it got unplugged and it's going to get restarted again. And, and I think the suggestion is, is that if it had been a little bit better, we might have continued on that same course, which was sort of okay, and, well, definitely okay in some ways, um, and, and, and definitely not okay in others, and sort of okay in some. But I, I think that it was just off course enough that, that they're going to say, let's, let's take a different, let's set sail in a different direction this time. Theoretically, one that will be more to everyone's liking. That's what I'm hoping. Um, lastly, I guess I wasn't surprised. Uh, Douglas Gresham was in Kentucky the week before the announcement came out. And he and I did a TV interview. And I said, I asked him, I said, if you're going to announce that the, the silver chairs got the green light, could you wait and do it at Asbury tonight? Because, uh, you know, wouldn't it be great? Dateline, Wilbur, Kentucky, all around the world. Um, having said that, he said, I can't say anything yet. He gets back to Malta. And, of course, the next week they announced it. And so I emailed him. I said, really? You couldn't have announced it a week earlier here in Wilmore? And he said, I had no idea it was going to come out when it did. So um, he knew something was in, in the works. He wasn't quite sure when it was going to be able to be announced. So, Ah, very interesting. Yeah. Let's go ahead. And um, you guys haven't heard the, the initial. Actually, Crystal hasn't had a chance. So we'll give Paul and Devin a, a, a little bit of a break here. And then Crystal is now tackling the what your thoughts were in terms of what you want to see and as well as what you don't want to see in a silver chair movie. Well, um, as far as um, the silver chair, it's sort of a unique and different experience than the first three because we don't have as much continuity between the characters. Um, for casual moviegoers, I think this uh, this may be a little difficult. We have Eustace, who's sort of a secondary character in the first film, but um, he's going to take on the role of the protagonist, which I think that would be a good story to sort of grow his character, um, you know, at, sort of show his development, uh, both spiritually and just physical maturity um, through that second film. Also, uh, being the only female panelist, um, I am very interested in how they will portray Jill. And um, I've, heard, I've had several people tell me that's their favorite, um, other than the Queens of Narnia, that's their favorite female character from the series. So um, I do hope they do a really good job with her. Um, on a side note, because I teach public school, I know that the uh, anti-bullying programs are really strong right now. Um, and as you guys know, the uh, silver chair actually begins right after an episode of bullying and it's Jill is crying and Eustace has come to, to comfort her. So I think I'm expecting them to sort of play up that aspect and, and sort of connect with kids who maybe feel disenfranchised or something. So play off that. But uh, I'm pretty interested. Just like uh, Bruce mentioned, the topography is, is massive in this film. I mean, you've got the Land of Giants. I, I was wondering if they would even maybe channel a little bit of you know, Lord of the Rings type <laughs> you know, thing with the, with the underworld and, and sort of recall that. But it's going to be, I think, an interesting challenge. But definitely it's something that I would I'd be interested in, in seeing you know, hopefully, again, staying true to Lewis's vision. Paul Martin. What I hope to see in the film is something that is um, it really just a, a good adventure into in, really into the underworlds of, of Narnia and stuff. And I want I want it to have kind of the scope that I imagined it to be, but also be as um, as dark as I as I want it to be in in that regard. But I want to see a good, 
a good actor playing um, Puddle Glum, like a good uh, dark actor, and be able to have that actor be uh, be able to portray really his whole mentality of being so negative and yet so positive um, play it up really well. So um, people, people understand that he's not all, all glum and gloom. Um, I mean, it, it's going to take someone, I, like I almost imagine a Johnny Depp type character type actor playing, playing that role, but hopefully not because he's kind of overdue, overdone. But what I don't want to see is um, Tilda Swinton as the Green uh, Witch, the Lady of the Green Kirtle, because that was done with the BBC, and it's confused people ever since to think that that's the same character as the White Witch. Um, and I last I when I spoke to Doug Gresham about it when the Voyage of the Dawn Treader was coming out, he said that he thinks that they'd cast someone younger, and I am hoping that that is that is the case. Doctor Devin Brown. Like most people that are talking tonight, I'm sure I'd like to see uh, an adaptation that is more faithful than not faithful, right? Uh, one that follows the book, you know, close as closely as possible, varying only when necessary. I'll tell you what, um, the focus on the family chair adaptation, uh, a lot of people know. And I'm trying to remember who Paul McCusker got to play Puddlegum there. He was actually a famous British actor, uh, the guy who had played Fagin in Oliver Twist. Anyway, he was very good. And uh, what, what you don't want Puddleglum to be is to be Jar Jar Binks, right? Uh, he can't be that guy. Uh, he's got to be. He's got to be uh, someone with with more depth, because certainly it's going to come out at the end, and it can't be a surprise. I guess for me, the other thing, little thing that, that I'm looking forward to is, uh, you know, Aslan's famous scene with Jill, where there are no other streams. Come on, you got to have that in there. Just blowing them to Narnia, I think, is going to seem pretty cool. And, you know, that final scene, uh, and I, I, here's a spoiler, beware, where Caspian gets put in the, the stream and then Eustace has to pluck that thorn and the great lion's drop of blood and he comes back to life. Oh, my gosh. It's mm. going to be great, mm-hmm. right? Yes, yes. I love that. I love that line where Caspian is walking toward the children and they're afraid of him. And, and they say, hasn't he? Um, and Asin says, died? Yes. Most people have, you know. That's just... What an attitude toward death. Just absolutely terrific. It would be great to keep that in there, wouldn't it? Yes, we need to start a petition, Paul. Keep that line. <laughs> you got it. Well, I want to allow everyone to kind of react to uh, things that uh, each other has said. We'll just go around alphabetical to any kind of reactions to what each other has said. Uh, Bruce, you kind of get the uh, first one, then then Charlie then Crystal, then Devin, then Paul. So go for it, guys. Well, uh, Crystal has mentioned uh, something, again, about topography. And so uh, set design and and costuming, all those which were certainly important to the first Nardian movie, The Lion, the Witch, the Wardrobe, um, that's incredibly important. And I don't know what the the budget will be like. Uh, I assume it will not be as... uh, um, expansive as it was for the first three movies, but um, because Lewis in this particular Narnian tale is very episodic, and even he's seeing pictures in his head again, um, and I think that the, the 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 next producer, director, screenwriter has to take advantage of that. I, I take it that uh, Doug and others thought Prince Caspian was not particularly 
cinematic. So, so, so much of the derivative material comes in. And, and I think this is a movie that stands on its own. And I think uh, if they trust the material, uh, there are five or six or seven great scenes, uh, set pieces, so to speak, that uh, I think could be, you know, transcend the fact that this is a Narnia movie. I think it'd just be a great movie if, if they do it well. Charlie, you're up. Yeah, well, I, tongue-in-cheek, I was thinking about what Crystal said about uh, the issue of bullying. And to go to the uh, other end of the novel, uh, the solution to uh, bullying is that the children are allowed to chase the bullies away with, and smack them with the flats of their swords, so long as they only use the flat edges. So I'm wondering, Crystal, <laughs> if you think that's probably a, a good a lesson to be teaching young people. Uh, let's deal with bullying by handing kids uh, blunted instruments to, to beat the bullies with. I personally like it and think it's a great I idea. Love it. I, I, well, I, I, <laughs> do you want them to use swords, well, Crystal? Actually, those, there's a zero tolerance policy for anything with a sharp edge now. So I, even, even plastic swords that I use for Shakespearean things are, have to be approved. <laughs> oh, and uh, the Odyssey, we can't, I've had kids ask me, can I bring in, you know, a bow and arrow for the Odyssey, you know, when we're doing the whole scene, you know, uh, with Odysseus and the challenge with the bow and, and the, that was also next. <laughs> so it it's actually counts as a real weapon. So. Well, let, let me jump in in Crystal's defense at the end. <laughs> Thank you. Before she get hot water with various principles or who knows what, or, or they rebrand her school as Experiment House, is to say that at the, at the end of Silver Chair, the adults in authority have really abdicated that authority, and that's the only way that these two children can retaliate, right? There's no adults there to help them out. Um, at Crystal School, all you'd have to do is tell a teacher, and the teacher would help set things right. Yeah. There you go. I, I do think that overall, I think Lewis's real message is is more critique on the education system, really. And, and as we've mentioned in the, in the Narnian podcast, um, Lewis himself was bullied, and he mentioned in Surprise by Joy that he was not much of it. You know, he didn't possess any athletic prowess. Um, he was more a reader because you know because of the joint in his thumb. He couldn't you know do much. So um, you know, I think he he sort of felt isolated um, off the bat. But you know, I think that was more um, because of the schools were getting again more experimental, more scientific, um, less focus on on faith and imagination. I think that was more a criticism of of the overall set, set up there. Whoever wants to chime in, go ahead. Uh, alphabetically, I guess we're actually at Devin, although he already jumped in. So Devin or... Yeah, I'll throw a couple more ideas. Is, is that, um, you know, the scenes with Aslan at the beginning and end, I think that um, bookended will need to be just right. And I'll just say this. I, I just happened to watch the end of Silver Chair, that, the final scene with Aslan there and saying goodbye. And that's a pretty poignant scene. Uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to those scenes again with Aslan at the beginning you know, there is no other stream. And then and then at the end, when um, they come back and, and and he cries a great tear of sorrow. I mean, it's just those are great scenes. I'm looking forward to the scenes with Puddleglum. And, you know, I don't know if anybody's mentioned the owls yet, but I'm looking forward to them. Um, and, and that flight scene. I mean, these, I, I think that they're ready to show really what, it's, what not just what it looks like, but what it feels like to fly in the back of an owl. Yes, that uh, that owl scene would be very interesting because uh, they can do that now to to make it uh, very uh, realistic. And what I was going to say is um, it, it sounds like we're going to get like a never-ending story-like flight scene where they're kind of riding on Falcor only. In this case, it's owls and the Parliament of Owls will be there and 
Um, we're going to have, um, like, kind of a view of Narnia like we haven't had before with with amazing flight scenes throughout and through Narnia, and we're going to get to see Narnia from other angles, I guess. Oh, that's a nice point. Unfortunately, we've come to the end of the first part of this special show. Don't forget to check NarniaCast.com on October 28th, if you're listening to this before that, for the release of the second part of the discussion. Then after that, the final show in the debut NarniaCast miniseries examining the books of Narnia will be released. That will be the final book on The Last Battle. As mentioned earlier, I realize some of you may not be familiar with the guest and so in just a moment I will provide you with some details about them. Before doing that, don't forget that when you go to NarniaCast.com and look for the show notes for this program, you can find direct links to our guests who have websites, along with some links to books that I'll be mentioning shortly. And so let me tell you a few things about our guest. Dr. Charlie Starr teaches English, Humanities, and Film at Kentucky Christian University and is the author of Light, C.S. Lewis's first and final short story. His website is simply charliewstar.com. Dr. Devin Brown is a Lilly Scholar and Professor of English at Asbury University. Dr. Brown has published numerous essays and scholarly articles on C.S. Lewis and J.R.R. Tolkien. Additionally, among the many books he has published, they include Inside Narnia, a guide to exploring the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. And this year, he published A Life Observed, the Spiritual Biography of C.S. Lewis, which had a forward by Douglas Gresham, C.S. Lewis's stepson. Dr. Bruce Edwards is Professor Emeritus of English and Africana Studies from Bowling Green State University. He's the author of several works on C.S. Lewis, Not a Tame Lion, The Spiritual World of Narnia, Further Up and Further In, Understanding C.S. Lewis's The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Finally, he is also the editor of the four-volume encyclopedia, C.S. Lewis, Life, Works, and Legacy from 2007. Dr. Crystal Hurd did her doctorate on C.S. Lewis as a leader. Her website is crystalherd.com. It features a great deal of information about Lewis, not only as a leader, but she has also been doing a series focusing on Lewis and his views and relationships with women. Paul Martin runs several websites and is the founder of NarniaFans.com, a site dedicated to fans of Narnia since being created in late 2003. While it focuses mostly on the movies, there is also information about the Narnia books and some general C.S. Lewis information. And I'm William O'Flaherty. I own and operate EssentialCSLewis.com, along with overseeing NarniaCast.com. EssentialCSLewis.com contains various components I've done separately and includes a podcast that features interviews with authors on material about Lewis. My site also contains a daily quiz, quote, and fact about Lewis. Don't forget to check NarniaCast.com on October 28th for the release of the second part of the discussion. <laughs> 